Well, hey, uh, hey, Cavis, just before we even get rolling, my uh, the porta potty's gone. Oh, jeez, it, it's it's gone. The porta potty's gone. Uh, I've moved out of the seniors' home. <laughs> <laughs> just gave the keys back this morning. <laughs> what do we have to talk about? <laughs> I'm a free man. <laughs> we, we have no content anymore. <laughs> Now, Dave, I, I just moved back into my house after four months of living in a very, very nice apartment. Um, and uh, I, I, I talked about before we had so many, um, you know, they're younger people, but there are a lot of retired folks that, that live in this building. <laughs> and and all the foibles of, of uh, pre-retirement life. Mm-hmm. Uh, were, were things that we discussed. So, anyways, <laughs> but I, I, had a, I had a beautiful porta potty on my front lawn for four months. <laughs> I saw that in either, uh, well, Instagram or something or other, and and I did listen to uh, one of the podcasts. I went out for, for a long walk last night, and I ended up listening to Bishop Barron instead of um, instead of um, your second fatigued uh, <laughs> fatigued leader session. So. So I apologize. Uh, Bishop Barron got my attention. Oh man! Well, when, when you get to part two, when you get part two of the fatigue, it it, it, it just gets worse. <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> Listen oh, to man. it by yourself. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, Cavis, what what happened to you, man? You, you come on, what happened? You know, we always have these adventurous things happen to us just i think we're either slept rock where we're walking in the clouds over our head or it's just always exciting but something adventurous is always mm-hmm. gonna happen and i'm mm-hmm. just gonna go back to say there's gonna be one city that we're not gonna talk about because of this experience but, but I, I i went to this professional conference uh, Wednesday and yesterday and I parked my car at New City I had to find a parking spot I'm getting frustrated finding a parking spot uh, construction is deter- uh, detouring me all over the city the GPS is driving me insane so I finally saw this spot that says full day parking great everyone's parked there so I go out stick the credit card in the machine, maxed out $32. If ever you've maxed out for an entire day, an entire day usually means what time of the day? <laughs> what time do you have to get your car back? Usually about 6 o'clock. Yeah, at the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The day. Six, 6, maybe 37, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're, you're good. So I go into the conference. I'm ready to come home. It's about 4, four o'clock, yeah. I'm ready to come home. I took photos to make certain I don't get lost or uh, disoriented to know where my car is. So I walk out and my the exact location, my car is gone. <laughs> and I'm looking around going, oh my God, did my car get stolen? So I stop for a moment, I compose yourself before you call the cops, make certain that you're where you're supposed to be. So I looked on my phone verified the landmarks this is where my car should be parked so 
I'm walking around and I should say my battery on my cell phone is on red. I don't have that my cell phone like left. <laughs> so I walk into a building to plug in my, my cell phone so that I can call the police. And but I looked around and I noticed there are no other cars <laughs> parked at that location again. So I'm like, this is really weird. No cars parked here. When I left, I barely found this spot. So I looked up on the sign as I walked back, and it says, paid up until uh, 3.30, towed after 3.30. My card's towed. Oh, my gosh. Oh, no. At 3.30? At 3.30? What country is this? And you paid, what, $32? It's a city that will never get any pub from our. <laughs> so, all right, all right. I, I call the number. I called the number to the impound, city impound, and I explained to the lady like I'm trying to leave your city. I need to get back to Edmonton, and she gives me the the number to call the impound. I call the impound, and they said, "Oh, your car haven't hasn't gotten here yet, but it's en route." <laughs> I, I called, I called up uh, our friend Anthony and I said, hey, uh, my car is going to impound. Could you please take me to the city impound? I'm trying to keep this away from yeah, my wife. Yeah, I know wife. Anthony. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to keep this away from my wife. So <laughs> I want to know how much it is to get out of impound so I can get cash, so I can go there and, <laughs> and get my car. So I go to get my car. There's a lineup of about 15 people, two cashiers, or two officials. And Anthony says, we should video this. This is going to be interesting. So we started talking to people in the line and heard some very interesting, frustrating conversations. And one guy says, oh, that's not, that's not an issue. I'm with two girls, and they're both in the same car waiting on me. <laughs> I'm like, what are you talking about? He says, what? yeah, he said, I got uh, one of the guy, the girls brought me here and the other girl is in there with it. They don't know though. They don't know that I'm with each other. Like, oh God, this is not going to end well. And he's, he's laughing. And I'm going, this is not going to end well. I said, Anthony, go outside and start videoing because within the hour, something's going to go wrong. So nonetheless, my name gets called. <laughs> my name gets called. And the guy says, you can come back now and retrieve your car. So I go, I, she said, I need to see your insurance and registration. My wife's name's on my registration and insurance, like a normal couple. He says, you have to get a note from your wife to get your car. <laughs> she has to write us a Are note. Are trying to keep it away from <laughs> She has to write a note on a white piece of paper and send it to us saying that you have permission <laughs> to <laughs> uh, <laughs> I call my dear wife and I have to explain <laughs> that I gotta standing. explain to Darlene what happened. Yeah. <laughs> That thing goes. <laughs> and I need a note. 
and I'm going to show it to you uh, just briefly. I need a note saying that I am allowed to take my very own car, and, and it has to be on a white piece of paper. And so my wife writes a note. my car to take it out so i get my car and the story wraps up here anthony's waiting outside and i said did anything happen with the car <laughs> so, wait, this is for the next episode i'll leave it right there <laughs> so oh my goodness know. Uh, I've never had an experience. I mean, I, I've, I've had to get a note from my mom to go on a field trip, or that kind of, but I've never had to get my wife to write me a note and say, yes, he can take the car. <laughs> After I'm trying to keep it away from Cavus, Cavus is the, is the Macklin Mafia after them now? I, I've, I've activated them. <laughs> <laughs> Colin mentioned your wife is, is connected to Macklin. I, I believe it's Macklin. Yes, it is. God is trying to tell you, you can't keep anything away from your wife. It's just not good. No, no. Well, this is great. Well, 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 well listen, this, this, this is awesome. Hey, uh, Dave, welcome back. Mr. David Thank Smith. Thank you. Thank uh, you. Consulting. But, <laughs> but, it's great to but, be here, Colin. <laughs> so, Caves, uh, so I got to tell a story on David. And and uh, so 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 David had shared one of our casts with a, a, a friend of his uh, who he'd met over the last uh, couple of years. His name is Craig. Craig Dowd is an author, uh, an executive coach. is has got a best selling book. Um, and, and so, uh, Dave's told me about this, this, this guy, he wrote his, his first book was called do good to lead well and, uh, excellent book. And, but right around the time Dave told me about it, he, he also, um, uh, Craig had just released his second book and the second book he did in, with a, in a collaboration with, uh, a, a couple of major CEOs. I want one the, the main one is Alan Mulally. And, and Alan, uh, he, he was a CEO of Boeing for a number of years, became the CEO of Ford for a number of years. So two global powerhouses. And, and so, uh, Dave introduces me by email to him and says, you know, maybe you guys should talk and maybe, maybe you want to be on each other's podcasts. And I said, oh, wow, thanks, Dave. <laughs> and so, so I was, I, I was just like the next week I had to go to Ottawa. I told you about having to get my shot last week when my arm hurt so much. So I, I hop a plane. I, I go to Ottawa. I had to speak at this, this thing for, uh, uh, this chamber thing for a bit. And then I was there for a couple of days of, of the, the rest of the AGM. So while I'm there, I get a message from Craig and he messages me and says, Hey, you know, I just saw the email. Um, You'll love to chat when, when you can, and we, we can talk about podcasting or, 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 or something else. And uh, I said, okay, great. I replied to him, well, I'm in Ottawa right now, so as soon as I get back, I'll call you. And he says, you're in Ottawa right now? Yeah. Well, I'm in Ottawa. So I said, great. So next thing you know, we get together.
um, after uh, after my meetings, he swings by the hotel and we sit in the we sit in the restaurant and have and have a nice chat for a couple of hours. So I messaged Dave and I said, "Guess what happened?" Right? Dave's a I don't know how upset he was, but <laughs> not at Dave's all. Like, not at I, all. <laughs> I I never. I have I have yet to meet the man in person, and I barely introduce you, and you're having supper with. <laughs> so his his second book, A Time to Leave, I said I said Craig, uh, I got to make David jealous. Could you sign my book? So he, he signs the book for me. <laughs> so, anyways, um, Dave. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm so glad that you're willing to join us again. So David Smith, again, is with uh, uh, the, the principal founder of, of Logia Consulting. Um, it does a range of executive uh, executive coaching, uh, mentoring, um, and uh, I've, I've worked with, uh, with, with Dave over the years, and he's uh, just well-founded from both his experience as a chief executive, but also... Uh, from his, his years of practice and coaching over uh, 300, 400 um, uh, CEOs and senior leaders. So, uh, Dave, I'm glad you're back. <laughs> um, so the, the last, uh, sorry, Dave, go ahead. I'm delighted to be back, Colin and Cavis. And Cavis, if you were looking for someone to make fast plays, uh, Colin is your man. He's your man. <laughs> Introduce him to a friend, and my goodness, within hours they're they're, they're connected. But I was I was really glad to see that that happened. <laughs> when you have something important, you want to share it. I you want to share it, and and both uh, Colin and, and Craig are important friends, and, and I'm glad they had a chance to meet. No, it was it was it was awesome. Next time um, I'll be there. Yeah, yeah, you should, you should show up. If you showed up, it'd be all right. <laughs> but um, hey, the, the last uh, the last number of uh, a couple of weeks, Cavis and I talked a lot about fatigue um, mm-hmm. in, in leadership, and uh, and maybe Cavis, you you want to maybe expand a little bit more just the just the the couple of the, the the episodes that we spent some time on, and and really what we focused on, and because I think I think what Dave's going to talk about is is going to be really important in terms of moving into a practical application and then performance. Yeah, and again, Dave, thank you so very much for offering us your wisdom and your time. Uh, really enjoyed the, the previous episode we did with you and uh, looking forward to hearing what you have to share with us today. What Colin and I were talking about was the consequence of leading while fatigued um, and those uh, kinds of leaders, how effective are we at uh, our leadership results. Um, leadership from uh, from a fatigue perspective, we uh, we understand will create bad decisions, uh, will create sometimes toxic environment, and really be counterintuitive to the goals that most leaders set. And how can we get over this when really there's that social and sometimes self-imposed pressure to overextend ourselves to look like we are the leader that will burn the candles at both ends. And uh, we would really be interested in your take on this and any insight you can add to that. Well, well thanks, Kivas, and that's a great introduction. And, and uh, I, Colin, I, I wanted to add that uh, my connection with Craig uh, goes back a while now. 
and uh, the, the two of us have been studying together. Actually, uh, uh, Craig is, is a, a PhD. He's a, he's a organizational psychologist by trade, and I've got another study partner who's a um, a, a PhD um, professor, uh, retired professor in in, uh, in human resources, and we've been studying positive psychology. And uh, I guess spoiler alert: the, the fatigue that we're feeling right now is 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 real it's absolutely real and it and it probably in many cases has moved to burnout beyond uh fatigue into burnout and there's sig significant implications of moving into burnout which we could talk about as well but what what i'm hoping to introduce to you today is is and the spoiler alert is that the main ingredients for our feeling of fatigue have been around for a while and we may have well been carrying them um, from our earliest days. And they continue to uh, provoke us, to, to hold us back, to, to, to cause fatigue and potentially burnout if not addressed. We have something called saboteurs that are really important to understand and tame. Well, well, you know, this is this is going to be an interesting discussion because, um, uh, you know, D Dave has spent a little bit of time with me just just sharing what this uh, what this means, but also the fact that, um, you know, Cavis, you've you've obviously been around sport much of your life. Uh, so so have I. Um, I remember, <laughs> I remember being back in being back in. Uh, do you remember Alex Smith? Yes, Davis. Co yes, yeah. I mean, co coach with the Riders. Well, before he coached um, in the CFL, he was he was actually a high school football coach, and he was my high school football coach. And he had gathered around him uh, a number of, of coaches for different positions. And and uh, uh, this was the first time I had ever heard the term "fatigue makes a coward of us all." And, and, you know, it's something that Vince Lombardi said, something that Shakespeare said, something that General George Patton, uh, uh, George S. Patton had said. But we, and it was, he would always say it, he'd get the running backs to, to, to do conditioning drills after the, pra at the end of practice, after we're tired, he'd get us back out in the field and we'd run up and down the, up and down the field doing sprints. We would be doing touch and goes. We'd be, and, and it was after everybody's done. Everyone's carrying all the equipment back in, and we'd be out there, and he'd stand on the sidelines, and he would say, fatigue makes a coward of us all, gentlemen, fatigue. And I, I had no idea who he was quoting. <laughs> it was like, years later, I saw this in a book, and I thought, what is up with Butler? He was quoting people. I'm thinking he's got all these original thoughts. But, but no, but, but it, it ended up being a very famous quote, and the, the context had a lot to do with with conditioning, um, the me mental fitness, physical fitness, um, because in those moments when we're tired, when we're mentally, physically tired, we start to make different decisions. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, and oftentimes we take the shortcut because that's what, that, that's the immediate. So, you know, I think, you know, Dave, um, uh, I'm, I'm eager to, 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 to hear, and, and if, you know, you want to take the reins for a bit and kind of walk us through, but, um, you know, what you've been studying. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and I want to add, um, some context to why the fatigue may, may be here. Latter part of last year, I was invited to speak to a conference of CPAs in BC and it was their annual meeting. 
they wanted somebody to attend. I was on my way to get out there, and all of a sudden it became a virtual session. My talk was to be on um, how COVID, or after COVID, how do you regain your strategic stride? <laughs> COVID was still there. Um, and I was there virtually, and it was a, a different experience. I reflected back on uh, the start of COVID in March of 2020, and, and listening to other consultants. I was on an intimate um, uh, call with 3,000 other consultants <laughs> at, at one point uh, through the table group and Patrick Lencioni, and they were talking about things that were going on. Somebody prophesied that within... The next two years, we were going to see 20 years of change, 20 years of change. I don't know what we've really seen, and you two might have some ideas on how much seat, how much change we've seen. I asked all of these CPAs, all these CAs, what type of, uh, what amount of change they had, and we did a, a, quick do, a quick poll right on Zoom, and after reflecting on it, they all agreed that they've seen 10 years worth of change at least in a period of two years. 10 years of change within two years. Now, these changes are in, in so many areas uh, from a digitization perspective and innovation. Oh my gosh, there's been so many things happen. Uh, artificial intelligence, nanotechnologies, augmented reality, biotech, payment technologies have changed in retail. There have been changes, well, in space. There's been space tourism now, and we've, we've sent some, well, even we sent, um, <laughs> The guy that was telling us all about space, uh, <laughs> he's now been to space. Okay, uh, Captain Kirk has been to space. Um, the number so, so of the top, so the name of, of so when we call somebody a space cadet, we got to be careful with that. Now we can't. <laughs> it could actually mean something. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. The number of patents has gone up significantly uh, in, tw in in 2019. Or pardon me, in 2020, there were two times the number of patents in 2020. 2019. There have been changes in government and policy. Um, government is owning organizations now and becoming lender of last resort. Many, many changes. There have been changes in healthcare. The, the, the spend a number of months ago was about $180 billion on the vaccine to prepare us to, uh, to deal with COVID. Uh, Zika, a couple of years prior to that, was about $1.1 billion to give you a sense of scale as to how much change and investment there's been. Reinvention in healthcare, we're seeing it every day. We're seeing um, more of a balance between social and economic goals. Uh, there's a wealth disparity uh, that's, that's in the world. We're seeing big tech being held accountable for some of this. We saw that earlier as Meta and Facebook faced a number of controversy a number of months ago. And on and on and on. Geopolitical changes, there are changes in um, from a... Uh, a green perspective, every, Fifty Shades of Green, everything is focused on the, on, on the environment. Um, and work has been redefined. Cities are being refined. We hear of people moving away from cities and more and more remote, more remote work, and the projection of that is to continue. When we look at all of that, the bottom line is that our resiliency and our efficiency and potentially even our creativity is becoming a bit suspect our ability to bounce back from what has happened. Now, McKinsey suggested early on in COVID 
that there are eight um, main factors that are going to change, and these are some of them I've just mentioned, but they also noted that there was a high level of, um, after the initial um, wave of COVID and how there was a massive response to react to it, there was disillusionment and grief settle in. Their social psychologists suggested that we were going to live with up to a couple years worth of grief when COVID's done, and it's not done. So individuals that are walking today are carrying some of that grief. We have some that have succeeded. Some people have not succeeded during COVID. Uh, I know I, from, a, from a personal perspective, I've had um, uh, at least a client, one client I was working with that passed away. I've had a number of them that were severely ill and a lot of fear, terror uh, that has worked with people. And it's been hard to carry that um, as, as individuals into our work into our families and beyond into the communities. So there's been so much going on. Whatever we've been able to do in this um, to focus on our physical health, perhaps our, uh, you know, our, our, and, and, and our safety, that, that's required something. It's required some tenacity to maintain our physical fitness, but our mental fitness has really not been able to keep up with the times. And when we look at um, mental fitness, it's, a, it's an area that probably hasn't been given as much attention as physical fitness. Uh, you two are both athletes. You know an awful lot about physical fitness. Um, I would, you know, I might even ask you, how, you know, how much time have you spent on mental fitness over the years and all of your colleagues? Um, and, 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 but I, I won't challenge you with that. But anyways, <laughs> mental fitness is something that uh, not that many people focus on. Now, mental fitness, it's a blend of, of, of four different areas. It's a blend of positive psychology, which is an area of psychology that's only been around 10 or 20 years. There are uh, pioneers in that particular area, like Sean Aker, who's uh, with Harvard Business School. He's run, uh, developed some amazing uh, programs. He has a great book called The Happiness uh, Principle. Um, well, uh, our, I guess our mutual friend right now, uh, Craig Dowden, his area has been positive psychology. And he's, uh, he's changed a lot of lives, a lot of organizations as a result of exploring it. Uh, it's really about looking at trying to pursue happiness and choosing happiness less than uh, more than sadness. It's focused as well on, on uh, behavioral or performance science, emotional intelligence. How do, we, how do we behave? When we start to look at emotional intelligence, there are, if you want to break it down into fine lines, there are probably 2,000 different types of, or 2,000 different variables. Routinely, there are about 17 core aspects of emotional intelligence that we need to focus on and learn to become emotionally intelligent. It's really, really complicated. What I'm going to unpack for you in terms of mental fitness applies uh, root cause analysis and some simplicity to it so that we can find out why athletes perhaps are choking when they're on the free line. And I'm going to talk a little bit about Steph Curry and LeBron James in a few minutes. And perhaps, Cavis, you've got some ideas, and Collins, you, Colin, you've lifted some weights and maybe found, found sometimes when they're a little heavier than, than you're able to, uh, to, to push. But there are times that we do choke. Neuroscience tells us a lot as well. Um, we've probably all heard about neuroplasticity. We maybe have had opportunities to hear about neurons and how they work in our minds. Um, well, the, the, the brains, they, they can, like muscles, 
atrophy after a while. And we need to ensure that we were working on them. We need to new, we need to continually be aware of our neural pathways and creating new ones and making sure that the pathways we want to go down. I remember a couple of years ago uh, at a conference, uh, neuroscientist Carolyn Leaf was talking about these neurons and neural pathways in a very seemingly oblique way. But you know what? She then showed videos of what it looks like. I'm a visual person. And when I saw these neurons, um, these neural pathways dying when they were subjected to negative thinking and negative thoughts, and those thriving when they're subject to positive thinking, um, it was quite, you know, I was, I was astounded. I was hooked. Early on in COVID, uh, Shirzad Shamin uh, set up an organization that's called Positive Intelligence, and he started to deliver, um, beautiful timing, uh, a, a whole era of, of negativity and threat and risk, a system that introduces mental intelligence and, and mental fitness. And I, I, I'd like to unpack a little bit more of that uh, for you as we, as we carry on. Wow, I'm I'm uh, I'm blown away just right just for this intro, KMC. Hey, what are you thinking, man? Yeah, there's. I know why we have Dave on. <laughs> from from a, a content per, uh, perspective, I, I really am happy that you brought up emotional IQ and mental fitness as uh, several component parts. Um, when I think of mental fitness, and I want to ask the question, I think EQ is emotional intelligence is attached to it from a perspective of our mental capacity, our mental status affects our emotional status, which can affect and intoxicate or make alive our environment. And from a leadership perspective, when we're physically fatigued, there's a mental fatigue as well. Emotionally, we're not at our best. And in your uh, in your experience, how have you seen this affect environments? How has a fatigued leader that is on that mental edge of collapse, maybe, and emotionally not as stable as he or she usually is, how have you seen that affect their environment? Well, when people are subject to it, I'm going to call it a hijack and a saboteur hijack. I'll explain. I'll give some some clarity around what that is. When that's when that's going on, there's a contagion effect. To get into the neuroscience science behind this, we actually have mirror receptors in our neurons, and when somebody brings something into the environment, subconsciously we already we we know it. <laughs> we know it. Uh, we're speaking at not a data channel, which might be our words, where it's our body language, it's our essence, it's our being, and people are reading that and reacting to that. So a fatigued leader, um, and, and if, if they're working towards burnout, uh, fatigued is really they're, they're, they're depleted, they're exhausted. Uh, if, they're, if they're burnt out, they've gone beyond that, and they're feeling mentally distant from one's job or their feelings, and if they go beyond that, it's even reducing, reducing their efficiency. And there will be uh, even a dollars and cents and an ROI outcome, outcome to this, in addition to a contagion that lowers the cultural, lowers the culture down. 
Yes, and, and, and emotional intelligence is, is really important to understand. The, the, the core of us, our mission, our vision, our values, introduce, or it, it leads to what we think about. And any given day, we have sixty to 80,000 thoughts going through our minds. Sixty to 80,000 thoughts. 90% of them return the next day. Of those 90%, 80% are negative. Okay. They wow. influence our emotions positively or negatively, and ultimately our outcomes, our behaviors, what we do, the habits that we're working on uh, at uh, inculcating and, and, and doing what we do as humans in work, in family, in our communities. So a very negative impact comes from all of that. You know, Dave, you you had um, you shared with me at um, another time just a couple of experiences where you've where you've kind of done tests with people to see where they were at on a on a on a scale in terms of um, you know so their, their their positivity and their ability to cope. And you've had a couple of very interesting experiences where people were, uh, they, I mean, they barely who who are would typically be high, they're in high functioning roles. Um, but they were barely showing on the positivity scale the ability to actually function. And uh, could, could you talk about that again? And Because and, I, I thought I was really intrigued with that conversation that, that we had about that. Yes, and, and, and I want to preface that. that yeah, the, the, the outcomes are, are astonishing. In the last seven months, as I've, as I've been studying, actually become a practitioner uh, in the area of mental mental fitness, which is really our capacity to respond to life's challenges with positive rather than a negative mindset. Be positive, not negative. That's mental fitness. React to what's going on around us and respond in a way that's positive or negative. That influences our ability to perform, our own personal sense of peace, wellness, and the relationships that we're involved in. Those are infinitely impacted by our level of mental fitness and 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 so we we uh, that's where we start from now the area of mental fitness as i mentioned earlier uses factor analysis to try to determine root causes and simplify if you're looking at 17 different types of emotional intelligence or a couple of thousand of them it's so hard to get your head around that um what emotion pardon me what mental fitness looks at is the core. When we look at colors around us, um, the, the essence of all of the colors we're able to see are really three, red, blue, and yellow. The combination of every, everything we see comes from those. In the research behind uh, positive intelligence and mental fitness, it's been determined that the root causes are three core muscles that are influential in our mental fitness. The first one is our saboteur interceptor. The second one is our sage. I'll talk a little bit more about these in a moment. And then our self-command, which is more like our ability to uh, regulate ourselves, to have habits, to, uh, to actually take things into, uh, in, into motion and, 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 uh, and complete things. So saboteur interceptor, the sage muscles, and the self-command. 
Now, I've said saboteur a few times. There, there, there are uh, 10 different saboteurs that we have that are operating in our brains. And these create negativity. We have a judge. We all have a judge who is there constantly reminding us about ourselves. It's intervening and telling us how weak we are at things, how unprepared we are, um, and, and how we've, and reminding us of our mistakes. It's defining what's wrong in other people, um, and, 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 and then also it's prejudging situations and circumstances before we even get there. And it leaves us with the internal message that, you know what, um, I'm not going to be happy in this circumstance. Maybe unless this happens. So we're constantly prejudging things. That's one of the saboteurs that we have. The saboteur, like the judge, has been around us since we were since we were small. And perhaps it comes from um, a strength that we have as an individual. When we were really young, small, and somebody comes into our presence, we've got to make choices about whether or not we're going to be open to them and they're going to give us a kiss on the head or they're going to eat us. Uh, and frankly, if we don't understand the emotions that come along with that, and if we actually go into the neuroscience and look at amygdala hijacks and, and, and cortisol releases, etc., cetera, um, well, we will be doing the same thing in our adolescent years and our adult years if we don't know that we have a judge saboteur. There are nine other saboteurs that we work with. And uh, the and what Colin was referencing is our ability to actually identify the saboteurs that we carry with us and have had forever, and these are the voices <laughs> of those sixty to eighty thousand thoughts in our head a day, and the ninety percent, eighty percent of those that are negative. These are probably the saboteurs sending you messages. Um, and they are messages of control. They are meth. They are hyper vigilance. Um, they they may be messages of of restlessness or like me. <laughs> Not my favorite, but my most popular is the stickler. I like to have things done really really well, and I focus for quality all the time. And I feel anxious or upset or down on myself if things are not really perfect. Okay. That's what that's one of the ones that I bear. But there's pleasers, there's hypervigilance, there's avoiders, there's victims, and there's hyperrationals that everything's got to be logical. So those are the different types of um, saboteurs that we all carry. There is a tool that's available that I've used many, many times now in the last number, last half a year with uh, clients and, and others to help them find their saboteurs so that we can start to do something that, uh, about it. And finding the saboteurs is a great way to start to build your saboteur interceptor muscle. So you know that they are active and you can do something about it. Now, the things I've seen in the last six months are amazing. Uh, working with, I have 400 people that I'm studying with from around the world, including Craig and, and uh, my other associate, Pat. And my gosh, the things that they are running into with individuals. Um, and, and the level of negativity. I was working with a client a while ago who used our second assessment that talks about the relative level of positivity and negativity in our brains. Um, and uh, they started off at an 8 out of, eight out of 100, which is very, very negative. 
after three weeks of fairly intensive study and working on the tools we use in the gym for, uh, for, for mental fitness, PQ reps, they were up to about 30 or 40, which is awesome. So, wow. So, so Dave, I mean, this, this is a, you know, this person who was at, who was at an eight at that point in time, I mean, this is the person who's a, who's a senior, they're in a senior leadership role. They've got, yes. they've got responding, right? So they're all that's, all that's affecting everybody they come in contact with clients, yes. uh, staff, uh, coworkers. I mean, that, that, that's amazing to me. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And it's a, it is a contagion effect that starts with themselves. Uh, not even knowing that these saboteurs are in play. Um, well, they're, 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 they're going to influence performance. I mentioned I talked about Steph Curry and LeBron James a little while ago. Um, and, and I want to position you in that time in sports. Uh, you know, we see it often. They're sitting at the free throw, free, uh, free throw line. And, you know, are they, are they scared? Are they nervous? Are they worried? Is this going to be the end of their career? Or are they loving it? Are they loving it? Well, um, I, I, in, in talking with others, I've learned a lot about Steph Curry and LeBron James. And LeBron James, he's serious, man. He's serious. He puts over a million six, I believe, into his body every year in terms of fitness and workout and diets. He invests in his body, and the ROI has been great. He's worth a billion or two or something like that. Great investment. But there's a lot on the line when he's throwing. And I'm told he misses a lot of shots, okay? Yeah. Steph yeah. Curry gets up there and he's just having it, having fun. You know, it's just part of the game. Whether it's and I saw him last week. Uh, there was a video of him throwing a uh, a shot from mid court and uh, at the end of the game and just dunking it. <laughs> and the coach on the other team was freaking out, but he's just having fun. Steph Curry is operating from the sage side of the brain. Um, LeBron James probably saboteurs that he's working with and, and, and in, in, a, in a grind and a negative area. Saboteurs are always tough. It's hard work. Um, and the sage part of the brain, ease and flow, ease and flow. Oh, oh okay. That, that, that term flow is, is um, and I, I know you're going to, you're going to pivot to the sage here and talk, dive a bit more in there, but. You know, I'm just going to name a book. Uh, it's a book that I shared with Kavis a, a number of years back. Remember the the rise of Superman? It was, it's called the Rise of Superman: uh, Decoding the Science of Ultimate Human Performance. And yeah. and and that whole yeah. book is about yeah, there it is, there it is. Yeah. Uh, the the whole thing is 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 based on the ability to get into flow, and uh, and so everything you've been talking about so far. Is is stuff that I, I'm I'm remembering little parts of that uh, of that book and anyways, Dave, I I, I know you're gonna you're gonna pivot over the stage because it's, it's it's exciting to see the contrast of those of those two. Yeah, yeah, it is. And and when when we work with uh, with individuals and we do individuals and teams and organizations um, working through our intensive training in uh, mental fitness, we spend the first few weeks on Sage, and it's really. Um, it's not dark, but it's tough work. When you find out you have these things, and they've been allowed to run sort of free range in our in our in our conscious and, and and subconscious for so long, it's a little it's a little down. 
<laughs> but hey, when we start to do the work and find the antidotes on the sage side of the brain, it's uh, it's pure joy. Uh, so yeah, we, we'll we'll get to there. I want if I can, I'd, I'd like to talk a little bit about um, sort of where the saboteurs and the sage go without getting into the details uh, and talking about specific parts of, or little pieces yeah. of the brain. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the saboteurs cool. they come from the brainstem and the limbic system and left parts of the brain. That's that's really where it comes from. The brain stem is there. That controls our, our motor skills and many of the things that we do, how we get up, how we move around, some of the some of the skills that we might have to drop the uh, drop the uh, uh, to sink the ball or to throw the hail mary, whatever it is. That's brain stem. Those that's part of it. Uh, the limbic system. My gosh, that's where we get into hijacks and the amygdala system and cortisone running through our bodies. Not good. <laughs> the sage, however, comes from the, the middle prefrontal frontal cortex where there's empathy circuitry and the right sides of the brain. When the saboteurs are active, what you notice is negative emotions. Fear, stress, anger, guilt, shame, insecurity. Those are the things you feel. And those are what contribute to the fatigue, the burnout, um, the battle that they that we do with those internally, just on and on and on. And then bring that into other environments, other relationships, into our performance. And it really has um, a, a contagion effect on other people. The sage, that motivates you through empathy, understanding yourself, other people, um, uh, curiosity, creativity, passion, purpose, and things like courageousness and, and, and fearlessness. Those are all part of the sage uh, areas of the brain, and that's part of the sage muscle. Now, the saboteurs, and this is really sad, <laughs> I discovered this a long time ago because I can tell you some stories, and I have told you some stories uh, on previous podcasts about some of the things that I've uh, failed at. <laughs> saboteurs can generate a level of, of success. We will control ourselves into, our, into success. We'll, we'll hyper-rationalize um, ourselves into success. We will, um, in my case, stickler quality ourselves into success but we might not be very happy. Maybe LeBron James. I don't, <laughs> I don't know if that's a great example. You guys might have, you might be seeing other people right now as I'm speaking. The sage, um, they'll get, you'll get as much success and maybe arguably more, but there'll be sustained happiness. Not going to be uh, receiving these chronic um, feelings of fear, stress, Anger, guilt, shame, insecurity. 